What up, peeps? It is the Man Cave Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Casper. As always, week one of the NFL season. It's in the books. Already on the week two, and uh, it's good to be talking about football, huh? It's good to be talking about actual games, I should say, when it comes to the football season. College, you know, it's getting going here a little bit. Big Ten announcing they're coming back. SEC will be starting up here pretty soon as well. So, got uh, got more college games coming, but... Uh, well, it's good to be talking about some pro football, talking about the NFL season. So uh, we're going to be taking a look at uh, a few different topics. I mean, you know, with, with just kind of looking at a few teams. And uh, I think this wasn't a good weekend for uh, for fans of preseason football like myself, too. But uh, let's you know what? I'm in a good mood. We got some football back. Let's let's crack open a brewski while we do this podcast. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah we're going to be taste testing some uh, some lazy monk brewing. Uh, if you're in the Eau Claire, Wisconsin area, taste testing some Lazy Monk Brews for their 10th anniversary. We're looking at uh, looking at their Oktoberfest lager. We're going to be trying that out as we record uh, this episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Not bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely an Oktoberfest taste to it. Definitely got that amber malty lager taste to it. All right, I'm probably making you guys a little jealous as I'm... Uh, Sipping a little brewskis, well, there's nothing stopping you from sipping a little brew while you're listening to this podcast as well. So let's just deep dive into it. Let's get it going. I want to start off with some of the, just a couple of uh, teams. I mean, there there a lot of teams were were impressed with this weekend, but three really jumped out to me. Um, I'm going to start off with the Seahawks because there was some talk heading into you know this season with, with the Seahawks here whether. Could, could they actually be maybe more of a pass-oriented offense with, with Russell Wilson over there? You know, Seattle's always been about ground and pound, and, you know, they, they got Schottenheimer over there as offensive coordinator now, and last year they were really, you know, dedicated to the run. Uh, maybe was that a couple years ago where they were really dedicated to the run? No, it was last year. Yeah, dedicated in that first playoff game. Um, yet you had Russell Wilson over there at, at quarterback. So, I mean, if, if we're not trying to overreact, but it is overreaction week after the first week of the NFL season. But you look at some of the numbers that uh, Russell Wilson was able to put up against the Atlanta Falcons, four touchdown passes and 322 yards for a quarterback rating of a 143.1, being named NFC Offensive Player of the Week, too. So, you know, Seattle, th- that, that NFC West division, for, for me, uh, is one of the, I, I think is the best a division in football, and we kind of, you know, you look at what Seattle was able to do with, with the passing game, especially against Atlanta. I thought that was uber impressive. Uh, so they kind of really stood out to me in terms of their offense, and could they actually transition into more of a passing attack? Uh, I guess we'll find that out. I mean, they, they got an interesting game coming up against the against the Patriots and Cam Newton over there now too. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if that's going to be the trend because if you remember Schottenheimer, uh, was the offensive coordinator too under Rex Ryan with the Jets when they had Mark Sanchez? And, I mean, they were a ground and pound offense. That seems to be really his philosophy. That's Pete Carroll's philosophy. Could they develop into uh, a little bit more of a, a, a passing attack with, with Greg Olson there, DK Metcalf? You know, they signed Josh Gordon whenever he does come back. Lockett. I mean, they they've got receivers. So are they going to kind of develop into more of that passing offense? It's something to wait and see. And speaking of the NFC West, 
Cardinals with the victory over over the uh, 49ers. They were my team that I kind of wanted to watch through this season. I wanted to kind of, you know, pay attention to them. Could they, you know, maybe kind of live up to some of the talent that they had on their team? I mean, they bring in DeAndre Hopkins. They still got the ageless wonder Larry Fitzgerald. Um, you know, they, they've got uh, Kenyon Drake, Kyler Murray, his second year. Love the Simmons rookie linebacker that they got in this draft. And that was a big win for them to to start off the season against the 49ers. And the 49ers, I mean, they're going through some injuries right now. This is a big year for Jimmy G to kind of show that he is a top-fledged quarterback. And then you had the Rams, too, you know, kind of looking maybe a little bit like the Rams from a couple years ago in terms of their offense. But uh, NFC West, I think, is just going to be a uh, good showdown. It's going to be it's going to be a fun division to watch. But uh, definitely got to get got to tip my cap to both uh, the Seahawks and uh in the Cardinals in week one Seahawks mostly for our you know Russell Wilson and are they going to develop more into that passing attack and then the Cardinals going out and and getting a victory over the 49ers kudos to them big kudos to them uh also uh, Ravens I mean Lamar Jackson my biggest question I mean I think it was just in this last podcast the last episode that we talked about you know I, the the question I had with the Ravens was going to be can Lamar Jackson almost take his game to another level, which is probably a little crazy to say since the guy just won a fucking MVP last year. So it's like, you know, how, how much more does he have to do? But I think there was a little bit more questions, at least from my side. Can he be a, a, a passing quarterback, right? Can, could he develop that that skill to his arsenal? I mean, he, he not saying he's an awful throwing quarterback by any means, but last year – a lot of those games they won, and he was more known for, for running the ball, you know, being a dynamic runner with the football in his hands. Made some passing plays, but could he almost expand on that? Well, he did that against the against the Browns, right? Uh, he he kind of showcased that, and he kind of freaking shut my mouth on that with 275 yards, three touchdowns, and a near-perfect quarterback rating at a 152.1. So Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, putting the beat down on the Browns, which, I mean, what in the world is going on with you, Cleveland? What in the world is going on with you right now? You know, I, I picked, I, I even said it in my predictions, I, I struggled with it a little bit. I didn't want to pick the damn Browns. But at some point, that damn talent has to work itself. I mean, it has to work out at some point, you would think, in Cleveland. At some point, you think it has to work out in Cleveland. You, you've got receivers. You, you've got tight ends. You've got offensive line help. You've got some nice defensive players. Put it all together. Well, I mean, is it, is it as simple as Baker Mayfield isn't doing it? Is it as simple as they can't find the right coaching staff to do it? What the hell is going on in Cleveland? Now, not trying to overreact from just one game, but... I mean, this year, if if you guys, if if they fall flat on their face again with the Browns, what the hell else are they going to do over there? I mean, if it's as simple as Baker Mayfield needs to get it going, then get it going, Baker Mayfield. Stop making those commercials about, you know, the the empty stadium and, you know, it's your house and you got to get it all set and ready. Come on. How many other quarterbacks? Would love the position that he's in to have, you know, two Austin Hooper, 
and I know David Najuko is just on the IR, but Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. Say what you want about his, you know, his personality and that. The, the the guy is still super talented. If you could just be a capable capable quarterback and get him the ball, or at least get him a good share of of touches to share with his good buddy Landry, he's gonna be happy. Ah, oh, come on. I mean, and you got a running game behind you. Oh. Don't get it, Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. Come on. The Browns should be good. I feel for you Browns fans. They should be good, but they can't. I don't know what's going on. And and they can't afford to just be lackadaisical this year. I mean, Pittsburgh with Big Ben back, they're going to be a, a contending team. We know Baltimore is going to be a contending team. Get it together, Cleveland. My Lord. Uh, the one team that did get it together was uh, the Packers. Uh, how about that offense with, with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, that that looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers. Rhythm, confidence, um, comfortable, trust. All those words to describe what I thought the Packers offense and Aaron Rodgers looked like. Mostly Aaron Rodgers. That offense looked comfortable in Matt LaFleur's offense, they looked confident in the office offense now in their second year. Aaron looked fundamentally good. He looked like he was in rhythm, and he looked like he trusted his receivers outside of Devontae Adams. He got the ball out quick. Dude didn't even have a grass stain on that white jersey against Minnesota. Putting up monstrous numbers against Mike Zimmer, who's, you know, had some success against him over the years. And I just got to give, you know, if I was handing out a game ball, I know Devonta Adams had all those catches. They took advantage of those young corners, which is exactly what they were supposed to do. Exactly what they were supposed to do. And they targeted one of the best wide receivers in the game in Devontae, exposing the weakness of that Minnesota defense. They did exactly that. And then Aaron goes out there, 364 yards, four TDs, 127.5 QB rating, and that's with a couple drops from MBS, Marquez, Velda, Scantling. But the big thing I took away from that was that offense just looks like they are now fully committed, they're fully comfortable, they're fully confident in what Matt LaFleur is bringing to the table in his second year. You know, growing pains a little bit maybe last year, first off, offense uh, or first uh, you know time playing under that that style of offense. Year two, they look good. I mean, you, you go through a game where the the right side of that offensive line is completely changed from what you started with, and Aaron still doesn't get a grass stain on him. And a lot of that had to do with Aaron getting the ball out quicker, not holding on to the ball, not not waiting for big plays to develop or anything like that. So kudos to the, to the Packers. And somebody who was with the Packers, you know, and – Previously, Mike McCarthy making his debut for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, what the hell? <laughs> Cowboys, what, putting up 17 points against the Rams? I mean, first of all, I got a couple issues with, with, with the Cowboys here, uh, or, or in that game in general. I get it's week one, but there was plenty of other teams, Green Bay, Minnesota, and such, to put up some big numbers. You would expect that game to have a little bit more offensive scoring with, with some of the playmakers that were on that field. And I don't know if you can necessarily say, well, give the defense's credit in that game, because 
the, I don't know if anybody else saw the shot of uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator Mike Nolan. It's just kind of like I'm looking at that. I'm like, really? It looked like he was in his own damn suite. He's got his legs almost kicked up, and he's calling the plays in like a reclining chair. No, it's like one of those stadium reclining chairs. Usually when I see a damn play caller calling from the booth, he's got a table. He's got his you know play call sheets sitting out. Almost looks like a mad scientist. He's got them spread out. This guy... He's sitting in a suite with a bunch of chairs, like like a like a suite that you can buy and go watch a game. He's just sitting there and he's got this little little play call sheet, chilling and relaxing and calling a play, uh, calling a game, calling a defense for for the Cowboys. What the hell is that? And I just yeah, for for an offense, Mike McCarthy, offensive minded guy, comes in with a year off, does all this research. And I get there's no off season, or I get there was no preseason, and you know the the thought process I kind of had was okay, new coaches coming in, are they going to be at a disadvantage, you know, with no preseason, not really any chance to implement their offense as much, so maybe that had a little bit of a factor in, in this game. But to lose twenty to seventeen, when you have Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, uh, Lamb, Gallup. I know the Cowboys went through some injuries in that game, but, I mean, come on. There's no excuse to put up just 17 points in that game. The only thing I will accept a little bit is the fact that they didn't have any time to work together in the preseason. Uh, You know, preseason games is what I mean. A little bit, but, I mean, how much were the starters going to play in the preseason anyways? Really, how many starters were going to play in the preseason anyways? I mean, this was not a good weekend. For preseason fans, because those veterans out there, like a, like an Aaron Rodgers who doesn't like the preseason and doesn't believe in the preseason, that dude just showed his case why you you don't need a preseason. So I mean, for for people like me who love the preseason, for for scouts and and coaches and general managers and some owners who can make some bank on tickets for for preseason, not a good weekend. GMs and coaches would still like some preseason to see what they got with the undrafted guys. Undrafted players or rookies would like a preseason to get adjusted maybe a little bit or even make the team. Veterans, donate it. And they prove that. And they prove that. I don't know if they'll be able to get it without preseason. The owners would have to agree to that, but they look good. And then, you know, speaking of veterans, the uh, the Super Bowl, the 2020-2021 Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because that's what everybody crowned them at this summer once they were able to pick up Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, trading for Leonard Fournette, and yada, yada, yada. They, Tom Brady, Gronk, they didn't look that good. Again, is it a situation of, you know, New players coming into a new system. Brady, Gronk, under Bruce Arians. It, it, maybe. I don't know. They didn't, and I know they went up against a pretty damn good opponent with, with, the, with, the, with the Saints. But fucking A. I mean, if, if, your time, the, the Bucs were pretty much ground to be going to the Super Bowl by a lot of people. I mean, this is supposed to happen to Tom Brady. Well, it did. He got his butt handed to him. I mean, it was it was an ugly performance. Now I I, I might be overreacting a little bit here, 
But you know, you you had you had Billy Boy Bill Belichick sitting over in New England with Cam Newton with a completely different style of quarterback that he's ever had. They were able to get a victory. Now, again, that was Miami Dolphins. I, I understand that Miami compared to New Orleans. But, I mean, this is going to be. I mean, you don't. A lot of people may not think about it. This is definitely going to be. You know, Brady's going to be watching what Bill does in New England, and Bill's going to be watching what Brady does in Tampa. Those two are going to have the egos, and those two are, are going to kind of look at it and see. Yeah, it was me. This, this proves it was me. Bill saying. And it proves it was me, not you, Brady. Brady's probably sitting over there saying, I got a win to prove it was me and not all him. You know they're doing that over there. They got to be doing I would be doing that. You would be doing that probably. So that's that's kind of what the, some of the stuff that stood out to me uh, for, from those week one games. That That's kind of what stood out to me from those week one games right there. Uh, looking ahead to the NFL schedule, uh, second week coming up here. Um, you know, I mentioned already the, the Patriots and Seahawks. That's going to be an interesting one there. Um, I mean, the Seahawks should win that one just based off the talent, uh, on the field. I mean, Jamal Adams going up against, uh, Cam Newton and such. So, I mean, that one's going to get a lot of attention. I think there, I mean, we got battle of Ohio for Thursday night football. Give me a break on that one, Bengals and Browns. Uh, other than that, I mean, you, you've got, okay, Rams, Eagles, maybe. I mean, Eagles just, they lost uh, to Washington, blowing a 17-point lead. Falcons, Cowboys, I mean, Cowboys, your offense better get it going. Falcons were able to put up a bunch of yardage and, and some points against Seattle in a loss. So that, that Cowboys offense, you, you better get it going there. Um, other, I mean... Jaguars, Titans, maybe in a battle for first place for the AFC South at this point. Vikings, Colts, both coming off of losses. Um, Ravens, Texans, potentially uh, good right there too. Chiefs, Chargers, Saints, Raiders. So I mean, I mean, there isn't really any like I would say like oh my god matchups in, in week two. Um, so I mean, you know, Falcons, Cowboys, that one stands out to me. Jaguars, Titans, maybe a little bit there, just because not. No, no, take that back, Dan. Uh, I'm not going to buy into the Gardner Minshew hype right now after Week One. Um, Vikings, Colts potentially could be. I mean, I don't know what the hell Philip Rivers is going to do. You know what to expect from him. I mean, with that Minnesota defense, but they've they've got no corner. So I mean, could he at least take advantage? He couldn't even take advantage of the Jaguars. So I I don't know what the hell's going on over there. Ravens, Texans, I think could be good. Um, so yeah, uh, Chiefs, Chargers. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, potentially a little bit there. So I mean, there there's some decent games. There, there's some decent games this this week too. Those are probably the ones that I just mentioned that uh, that I'm looking at for for this upcoming weekend. But uh, I want to end the podcast or this episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast um, by talking about you know the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 130 modern era nominees for the uh, newest class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 14 first year eligible players. I'm going to read you the list of these 14 first year eligible players. You ready for this? Peyton Manning, Locke. Don't even make the case. Whoever is presenting him, do what Pete Daughtry did for for Brett Favre. Stand up. Say, I present Brett Favre for the Hall of Fame. Sit down. You don't need to make the case. Don't waste the time. 
Steven Jackson, running back. Calvin Johnson, a wide receiver. Wes Welker, wide receiver. Roddy White, wide receiver. Heath Miller, tight end. Uh, DeBrickashaw Ferguson, tackle with the Jets. Logan Mankins, a uh, longtime tackle for the Patriots, uh, a little bit for the Bucks too. Uh, defensive end, Jared Allen. Defensive uh, tackle, Justin Tuck. Defensive lineman, Kevin Williams. Linebacker, Jared Mayo. Uh, corner, Charles Tillman. And defensive back, Charles Woodson. The the little nugget with this list, too, is if that uh, Marshawn Lynch would not have came out of retirement to play for the Raiders and didn't play for Seattle last year, just stayed retired, he'd be on this list, too. That's a loaded loaded list for first-year players. Um, and I'm looking at these first-year players, and I'm just thinking the backlog of, of some of these players, the log-up, I mean, it's prob- it, it just got bigger. Right, I mean, because you can make a case for a lot of these first-year players. I mean, for me, Roddy White, no, that that might be one of the easier ones. That's that's a no. Uh, Jared Mayo, no, I, I don't think he's on there either. Peyton Manning's a lock. I do think Stephen Jackson gets in. I don't know if it'll be this year, but it's like once you know, for running backs, you get over those 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 ten thousand yards career rushing. That's almost kind of the staple. Like, oh yeah, you, you know. You're probably going to get in. That that you're probably going to get in. And Stephen Jackson, I mean, if you're looking at his numbers, uh, he, he's only a three-time Pro Bowler. That shouldn't be a stat, though. That that should never be a stat. But you look at his career rushing yards; it's over eleven thousand, and that kind of seems to be a benchmark for a lot of those running backs. So I do think he gets in. I don't think he'll get in first ballot. Calvin Johnson's going to be interesting because there's no doubt about it when he was in and when he was in his prime, he was probably the most uh, feared wide receiver, the most dominant wide receiver. Does he get penalized for retiring a little too early? I don't know. I don't think he should. I think he'll get in. Wes Welker, that, you know, that one, could we see like a, like almost a position, you know, how do I want to say this? Because, I mean, he's like a slot receiver, right? The fact that he, you know, what he did with the Patriots and the role that they carved out for him, that slot guy, does he almost kind of start a trend for slot receivers? Do you you almost have a new position called slot receiver instead of just, you know, like wide receiver? I think Wes Walker is going to get some consideration. I don't think he'll make it, though. For sure not first ballot. I don't think he'll make it. I don't think Roddy White will make it. I don't think Heath Miller will make it. I don't know about Ferguson. That might be way down the line. Same with Logan Mankins. Um, and same with Justin Tuck. Maybe Justin Tuck, I can't see. I wouldn't put him in. Jared Allen, I think, is going to get in. I don't think it'll be first ballot, but I do think he's going to get in. The defensive end started off with the uh, with the Chiefs and then, but really made his career with the Minnesota Vikings over there. Uh, but Jared Allen, he finished his career. Let me bring it up here with uh, how many sacks. Uh, the dude had remember the lasso sack dance that he had so he finished his career with 136 sacks I mean he went from 2005 to 2013 every single year double digit sacks except for 2006 when he had seven and a half his first year as a rookie he had nine 2011 he had 22 sacks in that year so I do think Jared Allen makes it will he make it first ballot I think it'll be close I mean, I think this 2021 class, it might be majority, could we say even all first-year eligible players? I mean, because I, this list is loaded. This list is loaded. Peyton's a lock. Calvin Johnson's in. I think you can make the case for Jared Allen. 
Kevin Williams, defensive lineman? No. Jared Mayo? No. I think Charles Tillman, Peanut Tillman makes it. I don't think he'll make it on the first ballot, though, but I do think he'll make it. You, you can say what you want about numbers and stats, but you, you talk about his character, and you hear nothing but positive stuff about him. I think that helps his case. And he was, I mean, he's known for stripping the ball out when he was playing. Um, you know, just one of those guys there. So I think he does make it. I don't think it'll be the first ballot. Charles Woodson, I think, will make it for the first ballot too. Although I think it'll be closer than what maybe people expect with Charles Woodson. Just a little bit. I think it'll be a little bit closer, but I think he makes it. I mean, so, I mean, I think there's a good pot- potential for, for this 2021 class. Peyton. Calvin, Jared Allen, Charles Woodson, that's four. Possibly getting in first year eligibility. I can see it. This was the class that I was kind of, you know, kind of waiting to see what it would look like because it was so loaded. And can you imagine Marshawn Lynch was on that? You know, is he a Hall of Famer? I mean, if Steven Jackson is, I think Marshawn Lynch is. That would have made it a little bit more interesting right there. Hmm. I'm excited to see that one, though. I'm excited to see the finalist breakout for that one. I would just say not a good year for maybe guys that were close to making it in last year or two years ago because now I think everything's just going to get pushed back and backlogged again with some more really, really talented players up for uh, the Hall of Fame nomination. I really do. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Reminder, please subscribe to the podcast, people. Please subscribe to my damn podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, you know it, you name it, we're there. Rate it. Just make it a good one so other football fans can find this podcast. Week two, right here, coming up. Enjoy the games. We'll be back at it again next week, recapping these games and looking ahead to week three and any other stuff we want to talk about here in the Man Cave. I'm Dan Casper, and this is the Man Cave Football Podcast. <laughs>